Hello and welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast. Just a massive thank you to whoever you are listening to this. Before we start, just to remind you that we do this podcast two, three times a week. But we don't always know which days it's going to be on, so there's only one way to know, and that is to subscribe and get notifications. Why not drop us a review while you're there? Right, enough about that. Let's talk some rugby. I'm Ben James, slightly different podcast today on the back of three defeats in the Six Nations. We thought it was best to take stock of where Wales are currently at under Wayne Pivak, his first campaign, obviously, as the Wales coach. So who better to speak to than Sean Holly, a man who knows his rugby inside out. He's currently spending the day at Cheltenham Races, drinking Guinness and putting bets on the horses. So I spoke to him a little earlier to get his thoughts on Pivak's Wales. Okay, we're now joined on the podcast by Sean Holly. Uh, Sean, how you doing? I'm good, thanks, Ben. Yeah, all good. Sounds like you've got a fun day ahead of you. Yeah, at the Cheltenham Festival, um, second day racing. Had a good day yesterday, so I'm looking forward to today. <laughs> but you've uh, agreed to take a bit of time out of uh, in- enjoying Cheltenham racing uh, to uh, take a look at Wales' sort of tactics right? the Six Nations uh, with us. Um, what have you made of uh, Wales so far? A bit of a mixed bag, to be honest. Um, I've uh, I've had to look really close to find out, uh, you know, any significant changes. I think, you know, we've clearly seen um, a more expansive style, more offloads, more passes. Uh, that's definitely on the statistics front something that we've seen. But um, in the early couple of games, we saw Alan Wynne Jones in the white channel on a three-pod split. That was something a little bit new. But I, I saw Ken Owens was back there in his usual role in the 15-metre channels on the weekend against England. So they're varying it a little bit. Um, I think the line-out has functioned really well and they've they've tweaked that a little bit. They looked at... Um, they use Alan Wainwright a lot in the first couple of games and they've used Justin Tipperick a, a lot at scrum half and at outside half and, you know, in and around the malls and, 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 and peels. So that's been a significant difference. Um, but on the flip side of that, perhaps, you know, defensively, we've been maybe a little bit softer, a little bit tighter on the ruck, offered a little bit of space. And um, at, uh, at set piece as well, you know, particularly the line-out, we've, we've had issues at the front of the line-out against France with Johnny McNichol in the five-metre. And we've had issues at the tail with Dylan Lewis and Ken Owens against England. So uh, a bit of a mixed bag, really, Ben. So I suppose let's start then with, with the defence. Because obviously that under Warren Gatland and Sean Edwards, that was something that we prided ourselves on. Um it's not gone to plan so far in this year's Six Nations. and a, a lot of it has been that the perception is that Wales are being caught too narrow. But why is it that, that Wales are, are being caught too narrow? Well, that's a good point, isn't it? I mean, um, it, it looks to me like Wales are defending from in to out, as we would say. So they, they come in pretty straight, but they're pushing from in to out. Whereas under Sean Edwards, you they would number up from the outside. So they would get their width. Uh, before blitzing out to in, you know, which is uh, obviously the opposite, and we're seeing that with uh, France at the moment. Sean Edwards, they they number up from the outside, whereas Wales at the moment are numbering up from the inside. And if you do that, you can get a little bit tight. You work on your inside shoulders, and that leaves the space on the outside. Uh, with Sean's defence, you number up from the outside. You're on outside shoulders, and you come out to in, and therefore uh, you fill the field a little bit more. So. That's been a, a bit of a difference. Um, you know, how much Wales are competing at the tackle area, I don't know. Um, whether we're slowing the opposition's ball up enough 
to allow us to fill the field a little bit more. But we're certainly a lot more condensed around the ruck, and that's leaving the space on the outside. So uh, it's just work in progress, Ben, I think. And I think, you know, they'll get better at it. It's just maybe a slight difference that they're not used to and um, trying to accommodate the new um, the new style in uh, in this early stage, you know? Because I guess, I think looking at sort of the, the ruck speed stats... On their own ball, Wales are, are relatively, you know, par for the course. I think it's about they're they're working off about three point something seconds, which is what England and, and the rest of the teams are doing. But it's it's on opposition ball that they're you know uh, generating quicker ball against the Welsh defence than than other defences are slowing it down. So I, I guess that's sort of the you know there's a, is there a new sort of tactic that's being adopted or attitude that's been adopted towards the breakdown. Could well be, you know, it could well be that um, you know they've got spooked a little bit in the early games and they're trying to to leave the ruck alone and fill the fields. But um, I think you know with with Josh Navidi coming back and Justin Tipperick playing, then we probably will see a little bit more at that tackle area. Uh, I think we need it, you know. I think we need to win some turnovers. We certainly need to slow the opposition's ball up because we're seeing with France that they're really competing hard and they're getting real good dividends. Scotland as well, they've got a back row with um, Jimmy Ritchie and, and Hamish Watson in particular were very hard over the ball. And they've conceded the least amount of points so far in the Six Nations in four games. He's 49, so you know that's that's standing them in good stead. So maybe you know Bayern will look at competing a little bit harder. It might be something to do with they don't want to give too many penalties away. They want to keep guys on their feet. But um, as we said just a moment ago, then you know even though they're keeping guys on their feet, then the spacings aren't quite there. So um, they're betwixt and between at the moment, aren't they? I guess that's the thing, isn't it? You know, you you want to keep guys on their feet, particularly for the for the scarlet sort of way of playing, where you know you. The, the more guys you have on your feet, the, the more effective you are in transition. I think that's something that Sam Warburton's spoken about himself. But y- you're coming from a Sean Edwards defence where basically, you know, you pile numbers into the breakdown. And as you say, it just feels like we're getting caught in between because we are keeping guys on their feet, but they're all keeping relatively close to the tackle area, even if they're not getting involved in it. So it's still, it's you know, you could still throw a blanket over a large number of the Welsh forwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's... Um... It's a, it's a tough one when you're coaching. Um, you know, whoever came in after Sean Edwards, it was going to be a tough, tough job because even if you make minor, minor tweaks, then after such a long period, then the players are so ingrained in in the system and, and what that coach was asking them to do that even minor adjustments, you know, can lead to a little bit of confusion. And you know, I I, I just think we're a little bit more passive than we are used to see and I think if we got a little bit more aggressive and got off the line a little bit more and slowed up the, the rucks a little bit more we would see huge dividends you know we wouldn't be conceding the metres that perhaps we are conceding so um, it's work in progress and Sam's of course um, his first coaching job don't forget you know um, so it's going to take a bit of time to bed in Sam and Byron's ways but I'm sure they'll get it right and uh you know, it's just literally working on these things and getting the player buy-in. Because that's the other thing that people have said about it. Is the line speed that Wales are slightly more passive with their line speed now? Does that come from defending into out or does that come from just not slowing down ruck speed? Yeah, a bit of both, Ben, I think. A bit of both, I think, when you're definitely going out to win, 
like uh, you know, at the hospitals, we coast a lot of blitz where you get to the outside shoulder, you put your outside foot and outside shoulder and arm up, and you're very much sort of coming corralling in as we saw England do to us on the weekend from out to in, and you have to shut that space off. So the airline speed has to be very, very good. You can still have that speed on the inside, but um, you're a little bit more nervous because you're protecting your inside shoulder. Um, and of course, the opposition already. When you when you're working on the inside shoulder, they already, you know, a, a little bit in front of you. So you can be a little bit more tentative, and you know, uh, that's something they're probably going to have to work on. Whether they are mixing it up and asking the players to make better decisions, you know, I, I did see instances on the weekend where Wales did come out of the line and blitz hard. So it may be that when they are pushing them to the touchline, they're slowing the ruck up. That they are allowing them to blitz. Um, but when you're in the more central part of the field and you're short on numbers, then you have to push from the inside. That's difficult for players to read and the communication between them at high speed is difficult. Um, whereas with the blitz, it's far more high risk, but it's high risk and high reward. Your communication comes from the outside and you blitz up hard. So, you know, a lot, lots to consider and it, there's a lot more to it than people think. Indeed. Um, let's look at the other side of the ball then because I suppose this is the area where most Wales fans were, were excited about it. it is the evolution of the attacking game. How, how do you think that's gone? What, what signs of progress have you seen with ball in hand? Um, I think we've seen uh, Dan Bigger play a lot flatter and um, taking the ball to the line. That's something that's pretty significant for me. Um, I think we've seen a willingness to offload. I think that's definitely something... Uh, more use of footwork and trying to beat players. I think you, the statistics, as you know, Ben will show that you know, Wales are dominating lots of possession against France and England. I think England have to make twice as many tackles as Wales on the weekend. Um, you know, that shows that we are retaining the ball. We're building some good phases. But also our turnover rate is quite high. I think we had 11 turnovers on the weekend. And, you know, that's the problem with playing a little bit more loosely and um, giving the players a chance to express themselves as the opportunity to turn the ball over. and Unfortunately, that's been costly at the Six Nations. We've gifted points to the opposition. So if you take the first try on the weekend, it really came from some basketball offload stuff. Thomas Williams, I think, to damp bigger and then bigger to George North, hit them on the chest, turn over. I told you, goes through, they get the line out. And then attack the transition at the tail of the line. So we're gifting field position, territory and opportunities for the opposition through our endeavour to play more rugby. So it's a, it's a difficult one. Again, it's a catch-22. But I like the enterprise. I like the willingness. We've shown that we can score some great tries. You know, that just interpret try just after half-time was phenomenal. And the catalyst for that was Nick Tompkins. And he's been our biggest ball carrier for the last two games and that's been a major plus I think uh, yes he's made some errors but you know he runs his weight he's got great footwork he's deceptively quick and you know it's good to have a player like that I think we probably need if we're going to play this style you know, somebody else at 12 who can complement what the rest of the players are doing I think Hadley Parks can do it to a level but I think maybe we need a ball player, a distributor, England are playing Ford and Farrell and it may be that if we're going to play this sort of style that we need a lot more football in us behind. Any idea who, who that would be? Because obviously Owen Williams was in the squad, wasn't he? And- <coughs> Owen Williams would be the prime candidate for me. Um, 
you know, he'd be probably the only candidate at the moment um, when we haven't got the likes of Reece Patchell, who could play there possibly. You know, he's done it before, but uh, it's difficult because the game line's so important as well. And Hadley Parks has been good for Wales in doing that. Um, and he has played in this style in the wing people for the Scarlets. But, you know, we're asking the players, aren't we, to make a lot more passes, to make a lot more offloads, but at the same time, meet the game line and, and get quick ball. So it's an all-encompassing game that we need. And when you look at somebody like um, Man Chulagi for England, then he's done a great job. And, um, you know, like I look at the, the, the French guys, they've got a lot of football in that midfield. Nato Vincent coming in on the weekend and the 20s up then. You know, they've got a lot of football there. Um, Ireland's slightly different. Um, you know, they locked lost ring rows and brought Henshaw back in there, Bandiaki, so they're quite direct. Um, but in Scotland, you know, Johnson is that sort of player who can do a bit of both. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think we have that strength in depth in that, in that sort of player uh, at the moment. I think his prime, a Gavin Henson, a James Hook type player at 12 would suit the style of rugby that Wayne Pivak's trying to play, who we've got at the moment well, you tell me <laughs> It's tough isn't it you know, I know Jared Evans has played a bit at 12 for the Blues and I think was it the France game he came on and, and he, he looked quite good in that second chapter it's, it's, it's a big step up to test rugby isn't it? It is. I do like Jared Minder. I think um, he's got great attacking qualities. He's got a lot of guile and confidence. Um, but I've been impressed with Dan Bigger the way he's played. I think he's, you know, he's he's been driving the team on, and uh, his form for Northampton has been fantastic. He's been playing some great rugby. It's just finding that that um, combination, is it? Doesn't Nick, Nick Tompkins? Does he have an opportunity maybe to play at twelve? Does Owen Watkins come back into the reckoning as a thirteen? Um, you know, it, it is an area of concern. You look across the regions, uh, who's playing in those positions? You know, have we got that strength in depth? You know, with Willis Halaholo was somebody who was going to come into the reckoning. Uh, before his injury so he may be somebody for the future to come back in the centre as well Is there also the possibility that you look for someone who can be that second playmaker from 15 obviously we've seen Saracens do that didn't they with Alex Good, and that's largely why Farrell plays 10 not 12 for Saracens and maybe to an extent why Alex Good hasn't been picked for England because Eddie Jones didn't really want three playmakers in his back line. But you, you can also remember the Blues did it with um, Patchell and Anscombe, didn't they? When they when they had the two of them, they they play one at, fl- at fullback. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on the coaching philosophy, Ben. I think, um, I, I, I just think the Saracens are lucky that they have Alex Good and Owen Farrell. You know, it, me, I like a, a fullback who can hit the line as a big kicking game, is good under the high ball. Um, scores you tries, you know. Lee Byrne for me was fantastic. Um, you know, I, 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 it really depends on your philosophy. You know, you go back to Warren Gatland, he liked uh, Jamie Roberts at 12, and Hadley Parks latterly. You know, somebody like myself, Eddie Jones, um, they, they're liking a, a 10 12 combination to play as two 10s. So the Fort Farrell thing is working well. Um, they complement one another. They interchange. Whereas we can't do that with with a Hadley Parks or even an Owen Walking or Nick Tompkins, can we? You know, um, 
I go back, you know, I have to go back to my experience again. You know, you have any Gavin Henson or James Hook, there's a 12, a Dan Bigger a 10, or Hook and Henson 10 and 12, whatever, whichever. They complement one another. You can play a second 5-8. Uh, you've got a second kicking option. You've got a second distributor. And I noticed I did some research on Scotland before the weekend coming up. And as good as Adam Hastings is at 10, they're getting return balls to him in the 12 channel. Because the line speed and the and the blitz is so hard with teams that they're getting it into his hands early in the 12 channel and just halting and holding that outside defence. And it's a really clever thing to do. And maybe Stephen Jones can start to look at that attacking option and get return balls, getting second touches for Dan Bigger, for scrum halves, that get them into wider areas. They're going to cause those defenders who are blitzing up a little bit more decision um, again it's work in progress isn't it it's, 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 it's a lot more to it than people think and I think Scotland are going to bring some clever tactics down to us if you look at them play and how they get Hastings back in the game um, it's quite clever and, and very very dangerous too I suppose if you if you look at the stats and and everything, you know Wales are progressing through the pitch quite nicely, and I think they're they're, but it, it seems to be the red zone where they're where they're really struggling, as a lot of European teams do. But there's been a lot of sort of long periods of concerted pressure for Wales, where ultimately their 22 entries they're not they're not coming away with points, are they? Yeah, yeah, um, that's a concern. Um, I'm sure John Humphrey's working hard on it. Um, we seem to get to that area and then clam up a little bit, get a bit tight, pick and go <clears throat> around the fringes. And ironically, you know, that's sometimes the easiest type of attack to defend, you know. Uh, you, you weigh bodies there. I think England are quite cute in that area. They send numbers, they latch on to the ball carrier, they they double or treble up on single tacklers. I, excuse me, Ireland are the same. Um, they have a clear strategy there. I think we get a little bit of white line fever there at the moment. Um, and we've seen instances where the outside half, Dan Bigger, screaming for the ball against France was a, was a classic. You know, when they went down to 14 men just for half time. And there's plenty of space in the white channels and feet goes in at the, at the scrum. But we get a little bit of white line fever and one-up carriers and eventually we get turned over. And I just think we've got to have the confidence sometimes to see where the space is and play to the space. And again, it's easier said than done and the shortest route when you're that close to the line obviously is to, to pick and go at the line, isn't it? But, you know, we've got to have confidence in, in taking the ball to the wider areas of the space, particularly when we're up against 14, 13 men. And we just did that for Dan Bigger's score against England when Ellis Gens went off, you know, recognised that George Ford was behind the scrum. He had to defend there. And uh, they were one short and they created that space on the outside of Henry Slade. So they can do it, but you're right, we probably need to see a little bit more. I suppose they're not helped in the sense that, particularly in, in those attacking areas, the, the, the set piece hasn't really functioned. Wales' is attacking line-out, while the line-out is progressing the attacking line still isn't a, a reliable weapon is it and, and the scrums obviously had its issues in those key moments it's uh, one or two of the big scrums isn't it you know we saw Leon Brown um, give a penalty away uh, we had a good scrum uh, in the first half but then 
England went at this and went through us and they got the penalty. They got the field position for the second try. Um, you know, the, the, those are areas that John Humphreys will be working really hard on. I think we are seeing slight improvements. I, I really do think our line-out ball winning looks pretty good. Um, how we're using it, you know, from that, we saw an instance, didn't we, against England where we went off the top and Navidi was pushed into the transition and he went to put Hadley Parks on an angle and his pass was a bit too high and Hadley Parks dropped the ball. You know, that, they, they're the key moments where you can get good field position, get a score off good ball, uh, winning in the line-out. And it, it's just not quite clicking there at the moment. Um but it's early days, you know. I, I'm I'm quite relaxed about it, Ben. I'm 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 happy that they're trying things. I'm happy that we're seeing changes, and um, uh, I'm I'm quite happy to afford them some of the errors at the moment because we're building for our next World Cup rather than the next Six Nations game. Because one of the criticisms I've seen on on Twitter, and I, I don't buy it myself, is is that this Wayne Pivak and Wales are trying to play a game that could work with the Scarlets but wouldn't work in, in the sort of the pressure and the high intensity of Test Rugby do, do you buy that? Uh, no I don't buy that I think if it's done well as, as we've seen some of the tries wheels have scored and the positions we get in and some of the rugby we're playing I think if we get it right then it's going to be very very dangerous um, or you know of course it transcends it's, it's just a different level and the speed the speed of, the, of play and the, the physicality and the intensity is up um, so that just means the skills have to match that, and and that's what they that's what they're working on. Clearly, is 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 getting better at that, and it was a successful uh, system for Wayne and Stephen at the Scarlet. And there's no reason why it couldn't be um, an international level. You know, the, the the All Blacks play a very similar style sometimes. Uh, they have their hooker in the white channel and back rowers handling and Brody Retallick running. Stepping and offloading in between the 15s, and uh, they spread their forwards across the field, and that's not different to what Wayne Pivak's trying to do. Um, maybe selection is something he's going to have to tinker with. Are we going to see some changes soon? We've got a very experienced team at the moment that's used to playing a certain sort of way under Warren Gatland, 150 odd caps. Does he know? Have to? Does he bring young talent through? That is going to epitomise his philosophy, his style of play. That's the. That's what he's finding out. The Six Nations. I think he's picked a very experienced squad and sides, and he's probably going to have to mix it up a little bit in the summer tour and in the autumn to bring young players through that suit his style of play. And um, that's going to be a, a huge transition for for Wales and for a lot of the players. I suppose the problem is is the fixture list isn't too kind for the rest of the year, is it? <laughs> no, it's not easy. It's even Japan, you know. Um, Japan and the All Blacks and then you look at the next autumn. But hey, you know, that's where we've got to be a little bit more patient and say it doesn't matter who we're playing, we've got to, you know, pit our wits and put put guys in and give them experience against the biggest teams and and practice and benchmark ourselves against the world champions, against the All Blacks and so on and um, and progress because you know it is it is about probably the next Six Nations um, and then the one after that and then the World Cup so um, of course we've got a Lions tour to look forward to as well so boys are going to have to adjust to, to oh, Warren Gatland again and his coaching team and uh, that will give an opportunity in 2021 
uh, on a tour, um, possibly in the autumn, for new players to, to play in a Welsh shirt. So I suppose the worst thing you can do is get stuck in, in the halfway house of sort of focusing on the now and also trying to evolve the game and you end up sort of, you know, getting stuck in the middle of it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, as a coach, you've got to be true to yourself and your beliefs and your philosophy and you've got to stick by them. And then you pick the players to that, that suit that sort of philosophy. Um, it, it's a real difficult one because there's some real stalwart players that have served Wales really, really well and, and probably got one or two seasons left in their international career. And um, and they're massive players for Wales, you know. And so Wayne is probably finding himself uh, in in a position where not only does the style of play of Wales come into a transition, but the squad and the content of the squad is going to be in a transition very soon. And that's a difficult one to manage. But, you know, he has to be strong, stick to his beliefs and uh, go with his philosophy. There we go. Uh, I think we've put Wales to bed, Sean. Uh, <laughs> pleasure as always having you on the podcast. All right, Ben. Thanks for having me. Yeah, even though I'm uh, drinking Guinness and uh, about to put some bets on. Well, sounds, sounds like the perfect way to spend your Wednesday. Enjoy Cheltenham. <laughs> okay, mate. Cheers, Ben. <laughs>